Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. Today we're going to the other side of the world, all the way to Australia. Unfortunately, I'm not there myself, but my three guests all are. We'll be talking batteries and virtual power plants. Now, photovoltaics is going like gangbusters in Australia. Nearly 200,000 new PV installs per year, adding to a base of well over 2 million systems across the country. So that's an amazing average of one in four or one in five homes with rooftop solar, and it shows no sign of tailing off. And on the back of this, the home battery market is growing really quickly. Uh, an estimated 25 to 30,000 installs over the last year. On a per capita basis, Australia is a residential battery capital of the world, ahead of second place Germany back here in Europe. These batteries have been mostly deployed for straightforward self-consumption, maximizing how much solar energy is used in the home rather than exported to the grid. But now that's starting to change with a charge towards optimizing these batteries for the wider electricity system. Virtual power plants is the terminology of choice in Australia, and it's the charge towards batteries and virtual power plants that we're exploring today. So let me now introduce my three guests. Uh, First up, Alice Lang from one of the three big Australian utilities, AGL. Hello, Alice. Hi. Um, Alice, you're the the head of future business strategy and operations, and as you're in a forward-looking role, can I ask you a short question to start with? How important is storage to AGL when you're looking at your future business strategy? Well, we see storage as, you know, going to be very important component of energy infrastructure in the future, and we think that's going to be pivotal to providing that firming capacity as we shift between baseload power and renewables. Um, this is something AGL's been working on for a little while, and we can talk about that a bit later on. But we're already trying to figure out ways to build and develop flexible supply and storage. Um, and as you pointed out, storage has seen such substantial growth in Australia alongside our feverish adoption of uh, photovoltaics. So it's been really important to keep pace with that and, and keep pace with what customers expect um, when it comes to being able to uh, have, have batteries, for example, at their household. So we see it as, as quite fundamental to what happens going forward. And how long would you say you felt that way? Has it been something that you've been engaged with over the last three, four, five years? Is it something that's sort of grown quickly and then you're you're working out over the last year or two uh, how to play in this area? More like the what you said at the start, sort of more three, four, five years. I think it was in 2016 that we launched our South Australian Virtual Power Plant, or SAVPP. Uh, so that has certainly been going for a little while now, um, reaching a thousand households with batteries. So it's it's something that we've been engaged with for quite a while. And over the last couple of years, we've also increased our involvement with utility scale storage as well as household scale storage. Great. Okay, well, we'll come back and uh, learn more about what you've been doing shortly. My second guest is Alan Reid, Head of Operations with Reposit Power, a virtual power plant company. Hello, Alan. 
Hello, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. Um, Alan, can you give us an elevator pitch for Reposit, please? Certainly can. Let me step in the elevator and push the button. So basically, <laughs> Reposit, um, <laughs> what we are is a home energy management system for um, that, that specialises in the control and optimization of residential scale PV generation and battery storage. So we produce a product which does two things primarily. Um, it's a device which is installed at the premises of the house um, where the consumer has PV on their roof and a battery on the side of their house. It plugs into those devices and it uses artificial intelligence and predictive algorithms to look at the balance of supply and demand within the household. So it, uh, it learns over time the way the consumer uses electricity inside the house. It understands uh, it's the sources of energy to, uh, to satisfy that demand for energy inside the house. Uh, it knows the cost of all these sources of energy as well. So it looks at grid tariffs and, and other things. And then it, it performs real-time calculations, optimization calculations, with the ultimate goal of lowering the bill for the consumer. So it's, it's constantly working 24-7, um, controlling the flow of energy around the house to deliver the lowest possible bill for the consumer. Then the second thing it's doing is, uh, is as you said, operating as a virtual power plant. So it and all its little reposit friends that are installed around Australia work together in aggregate. We can orchestrate them. Um, into a virtual power plant, and they're continuously scanning the market for opportunities to sell energy as a commodity back into that market, and also energy as a service, which is a new idea in the Australian market um, to help balance the grid and, and provide stability and, and resiliency in the grid. To earn um, the, the consumer who has the repository box installed at their house and owns these, these devices, to earn that consumer a greater return on what is actually quite a large investment for, for those consumers. So. It's looking to lower the bill, but also uh, earn the, the consumer a little bit more money on top of that. And are you doing this directly with customers yourself? Are you providing it as a service to maybe companies like AGL, or are you doing both? Yeah, both. So we sell the device directly to customers through our uh, distribution network of solar uh, solar partners throughout Australia. So the consumer will buy Reposit as part of their overall package when they get um, solar on their roof and a battery on the side of their house. Uh, and then we work with you know great companies like AGL and also um, the, the network service providers here in Australia, and also um, you know the likes of AEMO, um, the Australian Australian Energy Market Operator, um, uh, to, to kind of sell the the capacity of the the combined um, units installed right across Australia back to the grid, to to the mutual benefit of the grid operators, the the regulators, the energy regulators, and also the consumers themselves. Okay. And can you give us an idea of scale that you've reached or how long you've been doing this? Yeah, so Repos's been around for about six years now. Um, we've been selling the technology for probably about five uh, of those six years. Um, we're, we've got many thousands right across Australia, but um, the nice milestone we just reached is in, in our home state in the ACT here, which is uh, where I am, Canberra at the moment, our lovely mm -hmm. capital territory. Um, we have uh, we have just uh, surpassed a thousand uh, a thousand installs in this area, and we only have four hundred and forty thousand people in in the ACT, so that's quite a quite a nice little milestone for us. Well, congratulations. Well, Adam, we'll come Thank back you. and dig more into what you're doing shortly. My last guest today is Jenny Carson, uh, associate with Delta EE. Hello, Jenny. Hi, John. Good morning. Um, Jenny, you have very cleverly timed a move from our Edinburgh office out to Australia to get two consecutive summers and avoid a winter. Um, now, as you've been out there for a while, can you help our listeners understand the some of the similarities and differences between the Australian energy market and the, the European one? Uh, 
Yes, certainly, yeah. Um, so the two main obvious differences that kind of immediately come to mind when comparing these, these two different markets, Australia to Europe, um, would be population density and the weather. Um, and then the implications that these two factors have on the energy system. So firstly, um, although Australia and Europe, they have kind of similar um, size in terms of land mass, there's about 30 times fewer people in Australia. So clearly that makes it pretty challenging for the transmission and distribution network operators here to be able to connect mm. such a vast space uh, to this relatively small customer base, uh, which, which is then results um, in some unsurprisingly um, high network charges. So this proportion of the bill, um, you know, going towards supporting this network infrastructure. And then secondly, the weather. Um, well, it's, it's very sunny here, it sun shines a lot. You mentioned that the solar PV market is going um, like gangbusters, you know, it, it's really taking off. Um, it's, it's really um, an incredibly attractive, no brainer sort of um, solution for consumers to, to put into the homes, payback here sort of three to five years. Um, and we're even seeing systems that are being sized for a customer's winter peak demand. So you've got a situation wow. where not only um, are the number of systems kind of increasing, uh, we've also got the average size of the array shooting up. So you've got, mm -hmm. you've got this situation in Australia where the horses, really, you know, it's really bolted in terms of distribution and residential generation. It's going to be an essential part of, of any future grid here. And with all this renewable, renewable penetration, it's really got eyes from, from across the world looking at the market here and wondering you know, what's, what's going to happen next. How are we going to manage all of this? Okay, so there's maybe a similarity in a competitive retail market as in Europe and many other parts of the world, but the, the distribution network is more challenging or the transmission and distribution network and um, yeah, a, a no-brainer of a, a PV market. Mm -hmm. um, but with that context in mind, um, Alice, can you come back to, to you now? And you mentioned that you've been active for for a while with uh, batteries and VPPs. Can you tell us a bit about uh, the customer proposition? So if if I'm a, a householder in the part of Australia where I can be an AGL customer, what can I what what can I get from your virtual power plant? What what does the proposition look like to me? Of course, yes. So what we have at the moment, we've got a BYOB or bring your own battery product. So if you are or if you've already purchased a battery, probably you already have solar on your house and you've purchased some storage to go along with that. Uh, then you can bring your own battery, um, become, if you're not already an AGL customer, and become part of our virtual power plant system. So that's one thing mm -hmm. that we have in market. And the other thing is that if you don't already have storage, then it's possible to purchase storage uh, through AGL so that that sale and install is included uh, as you become part of the virtual power plant as well. So on the, the bring your own battery, uh, yes. I think, some of our listeners will know the, the, the US market of bring your own thermostat uh, demand response programs. So I, I can see a similarity. Actually, no, with that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, bring your own thermostat hasn't quite got the same. I don't know what to it is battery. Um, what do I get as a customer? Do I earn money? Do I save money? Is it reflected in my tariff or in my bill? 
Yeah, so uh, some of the things that can happen if when you're part of that virtual power plant is we've obviously also included in that the digital smarts that enable um, some management and control of that system. But we've been very much led by how what customers want to see in that. And some customers would like to see a lot of detail about how they use energy in their household, uh, what is being stored, what they are using. Other customers would prefer to keep it a little bit more at arm's length. They're, they're very satisfied to know that um, those batteries are being used as part of a coordinated effort to support the grid uh, and enable different energy services, uh, but they're less interested in, in knowing the ins and outs of that, which is mm -hmm. fair enough. It's probably a pretty small proportion of us who are really curious to know the details of that on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, so mm -hmm. those are some of the things that you can get. You, uh, We will... Um, use some of those assets to, to support uh, grid services um, and customers are, are compensated for that uh, in the way that their battery is used. Okay. And uh, Alan, is that similar to your propositions from, from Reposit or how um, any differences? Yeah, no, that, that's really, uh, really interesting, Alison. And as you were talking there, I was thinking, you know, you can draw a lot of parallels to some other industries here as well. You know, telecoms is the first that springs to mind with sort of bring your own phone plans from a lot of telco providers. Uh, I think to my mind and what we found through the consumer value um, proposition part of our business and, and figuring that out along the way is that there's no silver bullet. There's no one size fits all proposition for consumers that's going to capture you a large part of the market. You know, all consumers are different. Um, and they have different uh, different things they want to get out of their system. Uh, we've done a lot of work in in um, having a look at the different consumer types and trying to characterise them by what what their motivators and drivers are in the purchasing decision to become part of the virtual power plan in the first instance. And, and it's really funny. I've got an example recently where um, we we went out to customers with some comms um, blanket comms around um, some new features we we're introducing. And we put, you know, some detailed information in there about the features and we got some customers that came back and said, oh, you know, that was a lot of information and, and I was kind of a little bit confused. You lost me a little bit there. So we said, okay, you know, maybe we pair it back a little bit. And we did um, recently another release of, of some new features and uh, we, we sort of paired it right back and, and made it a lot more readable and, and, and um, consumer friendly. And then we had a retired engineer who contacted us and I'm an engineer myself, so I can make fun of engineers. Um, we had a retired engineer contact us and he said, oh, there wasn't enough information in this. I'm, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it's really funny in terms of the customer value proposition because I think there's no one size fits all solution, as I said. And to me, it's about, I think, making sure that you, you just hit those, um, those commonalities across all of those varying customer groups. And what we found is, you know, consumers just want to they want to feel comfortable inside their own home. Um, they want to know that they're, they're, they're making an investment. As I said, this is a large investment for them. Um, they want to make sure that that investment is, is in clean, green, reliable energy. Um, and they also want to see a return on their bill. They, they want to see their bill going down or they want to see their system working for them to, to, get, yeah. um, to, to get them to a financial position as well. I think that's really important to remember. I mean, virtual power plants, are about customers <laughs> you know if, if if customers weren't interested yeah, yeah. in if they hadn't been interested in probably in solar uptake to start with and then in complementing that with storage next 
we would just be putting in grid scale assets. So it's it's pretty, mm. it's critical to remember that the only reason this is even possible is because customers are interested. And quite reasonably, I think that households are, are principally interested to begin with at least in maximizing their self-consumption from their photovoltaic system and achieving the bill savings that come from that. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the start of the value proposition is, is what customers can achieve in terms of managing their household energy costs. Uh, but I really appreciate your comment there, Alan, about uh, the different audiences that you're trying to hit. And I think you've got a few engineers on the line today, so we're probably <laughs> all chuckling about um, how detailed it gets. But it's, it's reasonable, I think, that some people will have a, a preference for just being very outcomes focused in terms of what it does to the bottom line of their household expenses uh, mm. and other people really want to get into the nuts and bolts of why a system is going to be set up the way it does, how that interacts with different um, different energy systems and different support systems. Uh, but certainly through the customer testing that we've done, we talked to a lot of our customers who are involved in our virtual power plant and it's interesting to see um, what kinds of different information they want uh, as part of this energy transition that we're all engaged in. So it's really interesting listening to this because uh, the energy sector is full of engineers, maybe even too many engineers if uh, I, I can say, and often not enough people with customer focus. Um, so mm. I would characterize generally, a big generalization, there's a lot of technology push uh, around these sorts of topics uh, in, in many parts of the world. So I'm interested from both of you, how much in Australia, and you as well, Jenny, from your observations, how much did this start with technology push and how much would you say it's really now centered around what customers fundamentally want, You know, whether it's peace of mind or lower bills or contributing to, to a, a more sustainable energy system? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think uh, originally in the early days of this this marketplace, I think it was um, technology driven. So, you know, it, it was all about this emerging tech, which was kind of cool, kind of, you know, very futuristic. And, and it was all, you know, you, you were looking for those tech savvy sort of retired engineer types who were mm. really engaged and interested in the tech. And you're trying to leverage that as a motivator um, to, to get, I guess, early adoption, really early adoption for this type of product in the marketplace. I think where we're at now, and I'll go back to your comments, John, at the beginning of this, where you know uh, batteries and solar are going gangbusters in Australia. The uptake is, is through the roof for distributed residential scale installation, and that's only set to grow. I think now we're on the cusp of getting into more mass market adoption rather than um, uh, early adopter. And um, that that brings with itself a whole bunch of new challenges and a whole bunch of new consumers who have different purchasing decisions. Yeah. So you've got I to think talk in now quite a different way. You've got to talk in quite a different way to customers if you're looking to go beyond those uh, those tech savvy people that you mentioned. Exactly um, right. Exactly right. And I think that's where the industry is starting to get a lot of information and learn and evolve and, and become better at what we do in selling this value proposition to consumers. Mm -hmm. Is it's no longer just about how cool is this tech. You know, you can't you can't just sell to everyone by saying it's really cool technology. You've got to now say, well, it it it, um, it lowers your bill. It makes you feel comfortable inside your house. It, it it's more of those you know sort of intrinsic uh, motivators that electricity consumers are feeling. I mean, we've got to remember here we're working in a backdrop in Australia where 
the power, the, the cost of power um, here, residential energy bills has doubled in almost 10 years. So there's, there's right. a lot of price sensitivity in this market um, and yeah, a lot okay. of consumers are looking to invest in technology which, which um, mitigates that risk for them in, in any further increases in pricing around electricity. So um, I think that's, that's where the, the market is continuing to evolve in terms of its, its um, maturity in, in the value proposition for consumers. I think, I think you're absolutely right and uh, particularly your point around the pressure that households are feeling, which is something that I think all of the companies involved in this industry are acutely aware of. I think as well that uh, for some consumers at least, there's a real interest in making sure that uh, the, the work that they've done perhaps to invest in a photovoltaic system and contribute to that cleaner, greener energy system, uh, that, that they can make good use of that. I think people are also increasingly aware of the challenges of having a large or an increasing proportion of intermittent resources on the grid. Uh, so um, whether it's households who are choosing to complement solar systems with storage to enable better use of that, uh, that, that photovoltaic system or um, other companies who are putting in big utility scale batteries. I think there's also an increasing awareness of how that helps the system as a whole. So there's both that household driver to manage the bills, but also the recognition for what it does um, for the system as a whole, which is important and I think can also be reflected in the way that we uh, understand the value that customers are looking for. Jenny, what's your observation? Because moving from a, a UK and looking research in the European market to Australia, in terms of the customer awareness or prominence or amount of marketing around photovoltaics, batteries, virtual power plants, do you see some big differences or would you say it's broadly similar? Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. I was just thinking um, as Alan and I were talking, uh, I couldn't help comparing it to the European market and um, in particular, the German market, that's where we've seen um, obviously the most battery installs um, in, in Europe. Um, and yeah, it, it's, I mean, there'll be, there'll be similarities and, and differences. I think the main kind of, um, one, of the, one of the key takeaways is that in, um, in Germany, we've seen a lot of attention around the energy vendi that they have there, um, the kind of national conversation around um, moving to more greener, renewable type um, energy systems. Also, mm -hmm. on the back of that, the distributed side of things, so so the, the kind of um, not the large scale, um, and that's really a lot of that has come from from a strongly kind of um, environmental social drivers, um, and that's really been mm -hmm. a lot of the communication around those propositions. And while that certainly is the case in Australia, you know, for some consumers, um, it really has been more led, um, as Alan and um, Alice have explained, around the kind of um, energy independence um, and financial conversation at the start and then you can add in certainly supporting the system um, but it's quite interesting to sort of look at the the dynamic there between the sort of starting points and how the conversation has evolved hmm. okay well it's um yeah so similarities but some some differences and i think that doubling of bills must be really a big driver as well it must push energy up people's minds in terms of costs and how to how to manage those costs um i'd like to speak briefly now about the the use of batteries not just for self-consumption but for the wider electricity system so uh we've 
seen in different markets, batteries being used to balance the, the transmission system, to solve congestion on distribution networks, or to play in the wholesale energy markets. Um, Alice, maybe if you could start by telling us a bit about which of those values you're most focused on or which of those are most accessible or attractive in, in Australia. Sure, so it is hard given how complicated this is to make sure that, um, that customers can access that value first and foremost and then there are other ways as well that we try to make sure that we are really um, making good use of those distributed decentralised assets as, as they're installed. So as you mentioned that in the, the use of storage to self-consumption is critical to begin with. Um, mm -hmm. After that there are obviously opportunities in the wholesale market um, to offer grid services. It's only been quite recently uh, and Alan um, is probably very much across this as well that retail batteries have been able to join contingency FCAS markets. Those are the frequency control and ancillary services markets yeah. that we have to help manage the grid. Um, and so, uh, you know, there, there's a certain value pool associated with that and we expect that there might also be potentially new markets for stability in terms of fast frequency response. The other thing that we've okay. seen, uh, and I think Alan touched on this a little bit earlier, is that um, we're encouraged by testing that shows that batteries can support the grid in ways that might otherwise be met by alternative network assets. So rather than upgrades to transmission networks or distribution networks, uh, we're seeing that it might be possible to provide some of those services through the use of uh, more distributed storage assets. Um, so that that's sort of more of a nascent value pool given some of the, mm. the timelines associated with those planning cycles, but we are quite encouraged by that as well. So, uh, the, if I summarise that, then the wholesale energy markets are accessible to a certain degree. The ancillary services is opening up. The distribution networks is maybe more of a, a future market. That's right. Yes. Um, and if uh, if full openness and full access to all these values was ten out of ten. Uh, maybe a difficult question, but where would you say roughly we are today? If, if 0 out of 10 is you can't access these values at all, 10 out of 10 is you can access every bit of value there is there that a battery could provide. Uh, Alan or Alice, anyone want to take a stab at roughly where on that scale we are? Well, I'll, uh, I'll have a crack then. <laughs> it's, um, I think it depends on, on, on which market you're looking at. So uh, I, I yeah. agree with Alice there that they're, they're sort of the three principal things you're looking at. There's retail markets um, and, and there's different retail markets. There's the wholesale market on the, the east coast of Australia and then there's capacity markets over the west side. Um, there's ancillary services, which are, you know, um, they're quite valuable markets, but I think they're lower down on the spectrum. So mm. if we look at wholesale, I think they're, they're probably quite accessible for VPPs at the moment. Um, so I would say they're somewhere up around seven, um, seven yep. to eight. Uh, and the ancillary services ones where um, they're, they're, you know, um, they're, they're really, you know, the grid's about to fall over and we need robust delivery. There's a lot more um, I guess requirements you have to meet to be able to access those markets. Yeah. So they're they're much less accessible. So I'd say down around you know yeah. two three. 
Um, yeah. And then the, the DNSP markets, the network support markets. I think they're the really interesting ones for us at Reposit. Um, they're principally what we've been focusing on is building network relationships with all the um, the network service providers across Australia. I, I think we're we're facing a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario um, with the the network markets here in Australia, in that um, we're, we're talking, you know thousands of customers. We're not into tens of thousands yet in terms of VPP. Yeah. We're thousands of customers. And in the grand scheme of things, when you're looking at a distribution or transmission network, that's a drop in the ocean. So yeah. it's not it's not it doesn't provide material load balancing services yet. So a lot of the a lot of the um, things that we're doing with networks are trial projects. You know, so they're sort of dipping their toe in the water and testing these technologies out, testing these programs out. But at the moment, it's not a core part of how they operate their business. Now, no, I think we're going to see that transition. They're rightly conservative businesses, I guess, Alan. You know, they're not they're not paid to take risks with these sort of things. So, uh, yeah, exactly. You see that pattern elsewhere of of learning, testing, trialing, building confidence. Uh, but it does That's sound right. like uh, there are there's a decent amount of value from those different parts of the electricity system, but there's a lot more to come in the future. And as you say, mm. as it scales, that will be then easier to access. So mm. I'd like to just touch on scale before we, uh, and Alice, when I ask you about scale, if you can, uh, if you've got anything to add on those different uh, sources of value, please add that in. But in terms of scale, you both mentioned uh, sort of a thousand or so systems to date. What's the the biggest challenge? Do you think to scale that to to tens of thousands to start to get that materiality that you talked about, Alan? Mm. Well, Alice, think, do you want to go first to that? Sure. I mean, it's very much related to what Alan was describing there and what you summarised in terms of how accessible those different value pools are, because what we see at the moment is that the rules are just being developed, the standards are being developed right now and it's not often in any industry I think that you have the chance to be involved right at the forefront of that and that Mm. is that's very difficult because it means that when we speak to customers when we design products uh, when we think about what this might look like the additional uncertainty is what what might the most appropriate regulations be how might this be managed in the market So I think that one of the challenges which the Australian energy industry really is very uh, is very much working together on this collaboratively is to make sure that the right uh, the right rules and standards are in place to do that. And we've seen some interesting developments um, quite recently with a, a DER registry uh, recently launching, uh, which I think is probably going to make some of the information more accessible and make some of these choices a little bit easier. But that's certainly one challenge that we see. Uh, and another is that the industry as a whole, so taking into account the transmission and distribution networks, as well as the retailers and and the generators as well, are all trying to figure out how to integrate as much of these distributed energy resources as possible at a small and a large scale, really. So um, there's just so much that still needs to be figured out. So I mean, that's that's difficult, but also fantastic. You know, we're getting to do jobs that people haven't really done before in terms of figuring out how to make a system like this work. Um, okay, so I, the more that, sorry, the, the, carry on. 
Oh, no, I, I would just say that with rooftop solar, I was uh, looking at a graph last night that had predictions of how what the uptake of solar systems would be for each of the 10 years prior to about 2015. And, Every year the projection went up and every year it undershot oh. dramatically. <laughs> you know, I think that in some ways the market was quite surprised by how rapid that uptake was. It seems that yeah. with batteries, we don't really have that excuse. We've seen what happens as technology costs decline, as people become more comfortable with those technologies and as they add more and more value to the system overall. Hopefully we won't, and I say we in a very general sense, you know, the Australian en energy industry at large, um, hopefully we will be less surprised if and as storage becomes increasingly accessible and present in the system. So it sounds like a really exciting time, as you say, where you're getting to not massive numbers today, but meaningful numbers. You're demonstrating demand. The mm. values in the system are becoming more accessible. The, the rules are being written, confidence being built. Alan, if you had to pinpoint one challenge for scaling this, adding some extra zeros on the ends of those numbers, mm. what would that, that single biggest challenge be in, in your eyes? Yeah, I certainly um, reiterate uh, Alice's points there. I think, you know, on the regulatory side of things, there's some challenges there. But if, if I were to pick one, I think the biggest challenge facing this industry at the moment is is um, education of the, the general population and education of the mm. consumer who may be looking to install batteries. I think at the moment, you know, we're seeing of all the battery capacity that is being installed across Australia, you're probably looking at somewhere around 10, 20% of those which are VPP you know, capable um, based on the stats that, that we see of the battery installations. Now, that's a really bad outcome for everyone because um, you know, if a battery isn't VPP capable, it, it's, it can be quite a dangerous thing for the electricity system. You know, it can swing both ways, yeah. it can charge and discharge. So, um, you know, if, if that's uncontrolled and it doesn't have visibility or interactivity with the grid, you know, there can be times where the grid is under a lot of strain um, and those batteries are just, you know, wildly going and charging and discharging and actually exacerbating the problem. So I think to me the biggest problem um, or one of the biggest challenges facing this industry moving forward is how do we increase the education in what is already an incredibly complex and convoluted system? I mean, um, the, the electricity proposition for consumers in Australia is incredibly complex. We've got so many different yeah. um, tariffs and products on the market and it, it's really not well understood. It's coming a long way and it's got a lot better over the past probably five to ten years, but it's still not very well understood by the general population. And what we're doing here okay. is trying to add another layer of complexity for them to comprehend in, in a virtual power. Yeah, and one thing so, about complexity is that can, that can push back and delay decision making and actually make people, if they don't correct, really understand yeah. it, then it's easier not to make a decision than make a decision. Um, Jenny, I'd just like to bring in you for your observation on uh, the biggest challenge in growing this market as well. Um, so I, I talked about this just previously um, as you're talking and, and actually I was going to mention sort of this piece around customer perception, talking to the customer mm. that Alan just articulated there. Um, but yeah, basically, um, you know, consumers, we're, we're used to just um, paying a bill and then receiving however much energy you want, you know, whenever you want it. Um, we don't have to think about anything more. So we don't have to pay for anything else, you know, like generation or storage. That's a really foreign mm. concept to have. That in the home we have appliances that, that use energy so um, air conditioning gas boilers but having something that generates or stores it and then let alone actually actively interact with the wider energy markets that that's really different um, and, and batteries and VPPs, you know they, they change this so we really we need to 
thinking about how is this communicated, which different customer motivations um, are, are articulated um, to, you know, to really move beyond. I know we're getting quite excited with a meaningful number of batteries installed now, but we are still far away from, you know, mass market. So, um, yeah. How can we get that to the, the tens, the hundreds of thousands that would have a, a material impact on, on the electricity system? So exactly. it does sound like it's quite a multi-dimensional, uh, well, challenge or to put that a different way, opportunity, because I'm more of a glass half full person. <laughs> uh, so the market's begun, the values are opening up, consumers are beginning to understand this. Uh, companies like Reposit and AGL are, are learning more and more about how to communicate this to customers. So it's time now to, to bring up the Talking New Energy crystal ball. It's on my desk in front of me. Uh, I'm afraid I couldn't send you one in all the way, or three to all the way to Australia. Uh, so we'll have to use my one and we'll set the dial to 2025. And the question I'd like to ask each of you, and if you keep your answers brief uh, in the interest of time, um, in 2025, how big will the, the battery VPP business be? in Australia from a, from a current market size of uh, four or five thousand or, or that that sort of scale. So uh, Alice if we start with you what, what would you see if you look into the crystal ball for five years time? Wow uh, a really exciting energy industry I think <laughs> a very interesting one certainly overall AGL would would like to reach um, an, you know, an outsized market share in storage consistent with uh, the role that we already play in, in um, supporting a lot of customers in the Australian energy industry. Okay, thanks Alice. Uh, Alan, how about you? I'm going to be bullish and say somewhere between 50 and 100,000, but I, I think um, I think it really depends on um, the, as we said, you know, everything we've spoken about today in terms of um, the, the customer value proposition, education, um, the skills of the workforce as well, the installers in articulating the value proposition to those consumers. I think that's a really uh, key and important piece here. Um, we're seeing a lot of subsidies come out of um, various you know, local and, and national governments, which is really great to see to increase uptake. So I think all of these things are you know, functions of um, the ultimately where we'll end up at the end of the day. But I think somewhere in that range is, is achievable so long as we, uh, we get a few things right. Okay, thanks, Alan and Jenny. Um, I I think well, let, so thinking in sort of maybe like the next twelve months or so, I think we're going to see big moves. Um, we might sort of maybe reach the the five figure mark. We might get to about ten thousand batteries. That would be that would be pretty impressive. That would kind of be doubling the situation um, from now. And then, but I think um, and I think the momentum will keep going. Um, but I think five years, I'm going to go a little bit more uh, conservative than Alan's and maybe go sort of 35 to 50 <laughs> But I appreciate that, you know, you get oh, that come on, Jenny. You can do better than that. <laughs> well, I think the, the general consensus is going to be at least one zero on the end of, of where we are today or around one zero on the end. And uh, lots to get right, but a huge opportunity. Uh, and I think Australia will continue to power ahead as the, the residential storage um, capital of the world. So uh, maybe we'll, we'll come back in, in a year or two uh, and have the same podcast with you three and see where we're at. Um, so we'll have to bring it to an end there. Time's got the better of us. Um, thank you very much, uh, Alan, for joining. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you, Alice. Thank you, John. It's been wonderful to be part of it. And thank you, Jenny.
Thank you very much. It's good to join. Uh, as always, thank you to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed our, our trip down under to the other side of the world uh, in our increasingly international focus for talking new energy. And we look forward to welcoming you back next week. Goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.